what the film from the New Orleans Saints win against the Atlanta Falcons could tell us about the Saints' future, how wide receiver from Alabama Jamison Williams' injury could impact the Saints' draft plans, and a quick recap of all the open head coaching and GM positions and why you should be on the lookout. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. We have an action-packed episode for you today with all of the moves all around the NFL. We'll talk a little bit about how it impacts the New Orleans Saints, a big development taking place Monday night in the National Championship game, the College National Championship game. We'll talk about how that might impact the Saints too. But first, I want to start off and dive right into our um, our our film watch Wednesday and sort of looking at the tape from this New Orleans Saints win over the Atlanta Falcons and how it impacts them moving forward into this offseason and what their what their offseason plan should be, or at least what many of us believe should be a big focus for them this offseason. And I think there's one spot to really watch, right? It's over on the defensive side. We know that there were a lot of standouts to the defense, but I think that the Saints' attention to the cornerback position over the course of this offseason tells you everything you need to know about how impactful and effective it would be if they focused on the wide receiver position the same way going into this offseason. Let me explain. The person I want to focus in on in this game is Paul Sinadibo, um, the cornerback for the New Orleans Saints. He was a third-round selection out of Stanford. You usually don't have a large amount of expectations for a third rounder, but you know we were very high on Paulson and Debo going into this year's draft, or, or I guess now I can say last year's draft. And so with that, you kind of looked at Paulson and Debo and went, okay, is he going to be the guy? Because the New Orleans Saints over the course of the entire offseason last year, whether it was Mickey Loomis, whether it was Sean Payton, uh, Mickey Loomis being the Saints GM, head coach Sean Payton, of course, or if it was the director of college scouting and as well as uh, assistant uh, GM in uh, Jeff Ireland, who we'll talk about a little bit later in today's episode, all of them continuously talked about how much attention they were putting on the, you know, needing to add to the cornerback room, needing to address the cornerback position. They were very vocal about that all offseason. And this was at the same time that they were sort of talking about how they're comfortable with what they have in the wide receiver room, right? So the reason why I bring this up is because the game against the Atlanta Falcons goes to show you what happens when the Saints say, we're focused on this position. Let's review what the Saints did over the course of that offseason, right? They lost Janora Shankins. They draft Paulson Adebo, but they don't stop there. They also trade, send another third-round pick. They spent a third on Paulson Adebo, sent a third-round pick to the Houston Texans and brought Bradley Roby over. You already had C.J. Gardner-Johnson You already in, in the slot, and you already had, of course, Marshawn Lattimore on the outside, who they extended after the first week of the season. So with all of that in the same, you know, in, in the conversation here in terms of how the Saints address the cornerback room, they did some other stuff at safety as well. You look at Paulson and Debo's performance in this game, and it shows you why if the Saints put their mind to addressing the wide receiver position this offseason, they'll be in a very, very good position going into next year because 
they're so good at identifying that talent, right? And finding talent at these positions isn't always easy, right? You get seven picks in the draft by default. You're lucky if you hit on one or two of them. This year, they probably hit on two of them in Pete Werner and Paul Sinadibo. Paul Sinadibo came into this game being effectively one of the top rookies at the position, right? And I think you can look at that by passer rating that he's given up. You can see it in terms of interceptions, touchdowns, surrendered, all of that as well. Even how often he was targeted, all of that. I mean, in terms of this class of corners, he performed extremely well and he exceeded expectations in a lot of different areas. And this game was no exception. Yeah, he gave up a couple of big plays. They targeted him deep, all of that. The things you would expect to see from a rookie. But you also saw him not fall out of competitive nature at all in this game. You saw him come up and go with the big one-handed interception. At one point, he almost snagged another interception over the top of a uh, defense or, or rather a wide receiver that he was defending, almost ran his route for him and made the catch over the top of him over his shoulder. It just shows, you know, Paul Sinadibo, one of the reasons why we liked him this offseason was because of his former wide receiver um, history, right? And the wide receiver traits, big hands, good pass catcher, all of that. So I look at that. And they see the way that the Saints sort of magnified their approach when it came to the cornerback spot. And now you ask, where are some of the biggest question marks going into this offseason? Offensive line is definitely one of them, but the Saints have always addressed offensive line. I would expect them to address it early in the draft. I would expect them to address that in free agency as well. That should be of no surprise to anybody. But then the next sort of piece of the conversation, or, or perhaps for some folks, even before the offensive line conversation, is that of the wide receiver spot. What are you going to do opposite Michael Thomas, possibly in place of Michael Thomas? You have no idea how the offseason is going to go, right? And so because of that, you kind of have to prepare for everything. But regardless of whether or not you expect Michael Thomas to be there or not, my expectation at this time is that he will be. Um, at least, again, that's speculating, right? We'll see how the entire offseason goes. But you want to find somebody that's going to be able to complement across from him. The Saints had Emmanuel Sanders. The Saints had at that cornerback spot. They had Janoris Jenkins last year. Those are the types of players the Saints ended up losing over the course of the offseason because they were so high over that salary cap. And those were two players that Mickey Loomis talked about how they wish they could have kept all of that. But they did a very good job with the focus, even vocally and outside of the facility, right? They were very vocal about it, very open about the fact that they wanted to address that cornerback spot, but that they were comfortable with what they had at wide receiver. I don't think you can look at the results of the season and go into the offseason and say, we're very comfortable with what we have at wide receiver, right? And that's understandable, especially when you have a game like you just played against the Atlanta Falcons to close out the season where you were able to move the ball through the air. But now imagine elevating the talent in terms of the people that are catching those passes, finding the young dynamic players, all of that, and adding to that wide receiver core. That's what you're looking for the New Orleans Saints to do this offseason. So when you look at the confidence that they were able to instill in a rookie like Paul Sinadibo, who is the only New Orleans Saints player to start all 17 games of this season, by the way. You end up looking at what he was able to do coming off of an ankle injury that ended his uh, junior year or, or his second to last year at Stanford early, a last year that he didn't play because he opted out with all of the COVID concerns around college football, almost two years removed by the time that he jumped into the week one matchup against the reigning MVP and Aaron Rodgers. And look what the New Orleans Saints were able to do with him with Chris Richard. You know, you have one of the better wide receiver coaches. You have you know, a fantastic offensive coordinator. And of course, one of the offensive geniuses in the NFL when it comes to offensive production, if you're able to get a wide receiver that you like either in the draft or in free agency, I think you can see the same type of immediate success that you saw from Paulson Debo on the defensive side for the Saints at wide receiver on the offensive side. And one of those wide receivers might be taking a little bit of a tumble or 
may not even enter the NFL draft any longer. We'll see what's going to go on here. Jamison Williams undergoing a big time surgery coming up here soon because of an injury that took place in the national championship game on Monday. Let's talk about that and how that potentially impacts the New Orleans Saints and their draft plan coming up this offseason. We've got that and much more coming up for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. And hey, it is just past the new year. We're only, what, at January 12th at this point on Wednesday. A lot of New Year's resolutions still getting started, still getting underway, still building your routine to support those. So if you have one of those New Year's resolutions like I do about eating better, getting fit, all of that, I want to make sure that Built Bar is in your cupboard. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Perfect for a little snack to help you get through the rest of the day. Great pre and post workouts as well. Just a fantastic little kind of pick-me-up to have at some point throughout the day even. And the thing that I love about these is that, yes, they taste like candy bars, and they have some very sweet-smelling flavors like I don't know, cookies and cream. They also have like salted caramel, uh, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie. But you're only talking about five, six grams of sugar, but you're getting 17, 18 grams of protein. You're about four grams of net carbs as well. And believe it or not, these bars, these flavors are also covered in 100% chocolate as well and still coming in with stats like that. So I absolutely love what you get from Built Bar, which is flavor and something healthy all at the same time. So go and check them out for yourself. Head over to Built.com today. Get yourself a box and get yourself 15% off as well on your purchase, whether it's your first or your next, by using promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Huda Nation, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget that we're still here with you five days a week here over the course of the offseason. The New Orleans Saints season might be over, but our next season is just beginning here on the show. And a big part of this offseason is going to be around what the New Orleans Saints are going to do in the draft, right? We're going to be paying attention and sort of scouting and doing all of this stuff around the upcoming draft class. We'll have some mock drafts to look at. We'll do our own first seven round mock draft on Monday coming up next week. And of course, I'll be at the Senior Bowl covering some of these prospects, so on and so forth. So I have a lot of stuff to talk about here over the offseason when it comes to the potential players being added for the New Orleans Saints this offseason. However, we could start the conversation a little bit early because something happened last night or Monday night on the national championship game that could impact the New Orleans Saints draft strategy going into 2022, and that's the injury to Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Now, we all know that wide receiver is a position that the New Orleans Saints should take very seriously going into this offseason. Offensive line, wide receiver. Those should be two of the big focuses. Whether those focuses mostly come in free agency as opposed to in the draft is fine, but in one of those two places, the Saints have got to address the wide receiver position and continue to bolster whatever it is that they're going to have available to them next season. You've got a restricted free agent in Deontay Harris that, or excuse me, Deontay Hardy that I think he'll definitely be back in New Orleans. You have an expiring contract on third round draft pick from 2018 in Traquan Smith that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints bring back as their third or fourth receiver. Marquez Calloway has started to kind of bolster up. And then you hope to have Michael Thomas back next season, but I think you have to prepare for everything. We just simply don't know. If you ask me to speculate right now at this time, speculate, 
I would expect that Michael Thomas would be back in New Orleans next season because his contract is god awful to try to trade, right? So I think that when you look at what the Saints need to do going into this offseason, wide receiver is up there. And so with an injury to what might be wide receiver one on a lot of people's draft charts, if not certainly wide receiver two or three to a guy like Jamison Williams, that potentially impacts the way that the New Orleans Saints go into the offseason looking at what the draft class looks like, because perhaps that was a big time receiver that they were watching. Now, we shouldn't go without mentioning the other players that would be available at the position, but I want to just highlight Jamison Williams because he was one of the top prospects. So even if the Saints weren't interested in Jamison Williams, but are interested in one of the other prospects that we'll name here in just a moment, that ends up bumping some of those prospects up if Jamison Williams ends up falling down the draft boards. And there's a couple of different things that can happen here. It's an ACL tear, right? That's what Adam Schefter posted and shared on Tuesday. It's an ACL tear. They're going to do that surgery within the next 10 days. And all sort of intents and purposes, all the reports are saying that he's expected to make a full recovery and that he'll maintain his 4-3 speed. But there's kind of three different ways that this goes. People get a little bit disconcerted around the injury, despite what it is that he shows in terms of his testing, straight line speed, playing without pads, not having, you know, changing direction without the amount of pressure you would usually have under a game, all these other things that are sort of like factors, right? When you could be stepping on other people's feet, all these other things. So that can be one piece of it. The other piece would be that he actually does see a little bit of a decline in his athleticism because of the surgery and because of the injury. We should name that. ACL injuries aren't what they used to be, right? It used to be that somebody tears an ACL. We're talking about, oh, that might be the end of that guy's career. Now, you know, uh, 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 Jameis Winston just a few days ago was on the sideline and walking around and saying hi to fans and everything. Like it, it's not the same as it used to be, but it still carries some potential implications. Then the last part of essentially reality here in terms of how this could negatively impact Jameson Williams when it comes to the draft is that he might say, hey, I've got another year of eligibility. Let me take a year off right quick, focus on rehabbing, and then make sure that my stock is where it needs to be going into 2023, where I can really show these coaches and and, and scouts and everybody that I'm back to 100%. That's certainly a route that he could go. He could go back to school and then focus on rehabbing and take a year off and then come back and still have an impact on the NFL, just like we saw with a familiar name in Paulson Adebo coming out of Stanford last year, right? Jamar Chase took a year off and then came into the NFL and absolutely torched it, you know, as one of the first receivers off the board. So I think when you look at all of the possibilities here for Jamison Williams, it could potentially impact the way that teams look at the wide receiver position moving forward into this draft. So we'll have to see exactly how the recovery goes, what his testing looks like, all of that other stuff, but lots of possibilities in the way that that can go and how that changes what the New Orleans Saints are looking at. Now, if the Saints are interested in Jamison Williams, that's very important to to consider in looking at all of this. But even if they're interested in one of those other receivers, like I said, this still has an impact. If they're interested in one of those Ohio State wide receivers in Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, who's personally my wide receiver one, Chris Olave, that ends up bolstering one of those guys up. In fact, it might mean that one of those guys with the Saints drafting at 18 might not even be on the board anymore when they could have if teams were more infatuated with Jamison Williams by the time that they got through testing and combine and all these other things. You've also got a couple of other players that are out there, though. The Saints could really invest in wide receiver or offensive line in the first round and be perfectly comfortable going with the one that they didn't choose in the second round. But other first round receivers include USC's Drake Drake London that they could go with. You've also got a guy like Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, who's absolutely phenomenal. You've got David Bell out of Purdue, who's currently probably a second rounder, but could end up raising his sock up 
I don't want to go without mentioning Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, but he's somebody that like because of his size, he's under six foot, under 200 pounds. He doesn't really fit the the, the Saints um, draft prototype of at least crossing one of those two thresholds, but certainly somebody to watch as well, right? And the Saints could go that route. They could wait into the second round. They could go for a guy like John Mechie, also out of Alabama. There's a lot of options for them to be able to like go in first or second round and invest in a wide receiver. But if the Saints treat the wide receiver position the same way that they treated the cornerback position going into this year's offseason or last year's offseason and draft, the amount of just sort of dynamic players that are there bodes well for New Orleans to be able to actually get a pretty spicy player that can come in and help to really jazz some stuff up in terms of the offense. Like we saw this New Orleans Saints offense against the Atlanta Falcons start to cook with the players that they had. We've seen some of the flashes within the seasons and things like that. And again, I think there are going to be certain players that the Saints are going to bring back, but I think their focus on that position is an important one going into this offseason. And we saw it, right? We talked about it with the cornerback spot and how that ended up benefiting them going into this year because they did so much to solidify that room and have options in the cornerback room. My hope is that they'll do the same thing with the wide receiver spot. I mean, they were so invested in the cornerback room that the worst kept secret about the New Orleans Saints going into the draft is that they were trying to trade into the top 10 to take either Patrick Sertan or grab J.C. Horn, right, out of Alabama and South Carolina University, respectively. Of course, Patrick Sertan ends up going to Denver being the best rookie corner of this class with Paulson Adebo up there, I would say, in the top five. And then J.C. Horn, who went to Carolina, but unfortunately had a season-ending injury early. So the Saints have no problem with it being known what it is that they want to do in the draft, right? So my expectation here is that offensive line wide receiver will be a big focus for them in the draft as well as in free agency. And this Jamison Williams injury could potentially impact what that order looks like or who's on the board, who's off the board. So it's going to be very interesting to watch as we go through. Now, we mentioned the worst kept secret when it came to the New Orleans Saints draft class. This offseason, at this moment, one of the worst kept secrets is pretty simple, right? Jeff Ireland, Dennis Allen, two very, very important members of the New Orleans Saints staff should be getting some opportunities around the NFL this offseason. So let's recap sort of Black Monday as well as the sort of, I guess we'll call it Gray Tuesday, uh, because we also saw some moves on Tuesday as well. And what it means for the New Orleans Saints is they look to hold on to uh, very, very important members of their staff, both in coaching and in the front office. So we'll talk about the positions that are open and how they could potentially be uh, enticing for those two guys. So we'll talk about that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. The other worst kept secret in the world is that gas prices are ridiculous right now. And that's why I want to tell you about our friends over at Get Upside, my favorite app on my phone, because it saves me money without any kind of shady business. There's no catch. There's nothing weird going on. It's just simple. Basically, GetUpside has partnered with a bunch of gas stations. So you go to one of those select gas stations, you fill up your car in terms of your, you know, you fill up in gas, you take a picture of the receipt with the app, and then they end up taking that and giving you up to 25 cents back per gallon to your account, which you can withdraw from anytime you want. And not just 25 cents back per gallon, but if you go ahead and sign up today as a new customer and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, they're going to give you a 25 cent bonus on your first fill up. That's 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up that you can withdraw whenever you like to get it back directly to your bank account. You can get Amazon gift cards and other brands as well. You can even go through PayPal if you like. So go and check it out. It's the Get Upside app. And don't forget to use that 
first time discount code or promo code touchdown for 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. And of course, for the New Orleans Saints, the games might be over, but the NFL playoffs are well underway or about to be underway. And I know that you want to get involved in a way to kind of make these playoff games a little bit more enticing, even without the New Orleans Saints playing is to, well, put a little bit of action on it, right? Get in on the action a bit with your friends over at betonline.ag. They're going to have you covered for everything that you need, not just lines, over-unders, spreads, money line, all that stuff. They're also going to get you covered on props and a whole bunch of fun stuff going on around the playoffs. And you don't want to miss the Super Bowl props as well, because those are always a trip. You've also got the NBA, the NHL. You've got a bunch going on all across the world of sports that you can get in on, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games and even live betting as well. So go and check them out over at betonline.ag. If you're a first-time customer, use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. It'll get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON over at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Let's get it, Huda Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look at what the New Orleans Saints could be undergoing in terms of losses with two major staff members, one in the coaching staff, one in the front office, that of course being defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, as well as assistant general manager and director of college scouting in Jeff Ireland. Remember Jeff Ireland being a huge part of the successful draft classes that the Saints have had here in the recent past. The New Orleans Saints could end up having to compete with some of these job openings all across the NFL in order to hold on to these guys. Let's start off with uh, Dennis Allen, who is the one that I know a lot of folks do not want to lose, defensive coordinator that has led an incredible charge and resurgence of defense in New Orleans, right? This is all of a sudden a defensive team, and it's slowly been becoming that since 2017. Dennis Allen took over as the Saints defensive coordinator partway through the year after they parted ways with Rob Ryan in 2015. And every year since then, with the exception of, of course, 2016, which was a bit of a struggle year. But once the Saints started to get the personnel that they wanted in the building, all of that with that 2017 incredible draft class that included guys like, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, and then, of course, uh, Trey Hendrickson, who's no longer with the team, but was a part of the Saints defensive success last year. So many pieces coming in that helped to aid the way that the Saints wanted that defense to go and what Dennis Allen needed to be able to run his scheme. 2018, they add a guy like Demario Davis, and then they've just continued to add from there. Quan Alexander, Paulson Adebo, bringing back Malcolm Jenkins, all of that. So with the New Orleans Saints potentially losing Dennis Allen or all the success that they've had with Dennis Allen, they don't want to lose him, right? So who are the potential jobs out there that could end up courting Dennis Allen? I will tell you right now, at the time that I record this, there are no scheduled interviews with Dennis Allen, but one key team also hasn't scheduled any interviews at all so far, although they did try out a punter on Tuesday. So great priorities, guys. So we'll talk about them here in a little bit. Let's talk about the job openings that are there at head coach. The ones that we know for certain that are already underway in terms of the searches are the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, I would say the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now the New York Giants. New York Giants are a new addition to this list because they just moved on from Joe Judge on Tuesday. That's why I called it Gray Tuesday after Black Monday when we saw a bunch of coaches being fired, including the surprise firing of Brian Flores in uh, Miami, which I still don't quite understand outside of the Tua Tungavailoa thing. But right now, you can also have on this list the Las Vegas Raiders and the Houston Texans. 
We don't really officially know what the Houston Texans are going to do, if they are going to move on from David Culley or if they're going to keep him and move forward with that. So we'll kind of have to wait and see how that goes. Same thing with the Las Vegas Raiders. Rich Bisaccia has led this team to the playoffs, right? When they moved on from John Gruden. So what are they going to do there? And their coaching search isn't even starting, even if they do plan to move on from him because, well, they're in the playoffs. They're busy playing on Sunday. So those other teams right now, I will tell you the one that is probably the most enticing is the one you want the least, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> you, I don't think we should want Dennis Allen going to the Minnesota Vikings, right? If Dennis Allen were to leave at all, right? The ideal situation is that he never goes anywhere. But the worst case scenario, in my opinion, is that he does leave and he goes to Minnesota. He's in the NFC that way, which would cause you a lot of trouble. You have to run into his defense in the playoffs in that case. Then you also have the situations where, look, the Saints and Vikings play a lot, right? So with all of that, that's the one that I would want to avoid. The best case scenario is that he ends up in like Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville is probably going to want to go with an offensive coach, though, to pair their uh, to pair with their quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. So I could see a guy like Byron Leftwich, for instance, going back to Jacksonville, being a great story, all of that. But for the New Orleans Saints, the Vikings, probably the last place you want him to end up. Uh, the Bears are a possibility. The Broncos, I could see them sticking with the opportunity of uh, of defense there because they have a really, really good defense that would at least put him out of the divi- excuse me, out of the conference, get him away from the Saints in the playoffs all of that. So maybe the Broncos and Dolphins being the best case scenario if he does get hired away, even the Las Vegas Raiders, I would throw into that as well, although you might see him next season. So the way that I look at that, that's sort of the way that I see it. Now, the opposite side of all this is that I could also see all of these teams going different directions, right? Especially with Minnesota Vikings, they don't even have a GM yet. They'll probably do the GM thing first and then worry about the head coach, all of that. So enough time kind of ends up passing with all that. But the Vikings are definitely a big one to watch. Now, the ones that I would be watching very closely when it comes to Jeff Ireland, out of the three jobs that are open, which are the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, and the Minnesota Vikings, going to be the Chicago Bears. And the Chicago Bears have actually already ended up uh, scheduling an interview with Jeff Ireland. A date is not currently set at the time that I'm recording this, but that's definitely a big one to watch. If Jeff Ireland was to head elsewhere and bring his outstanding draft classes and fantastic college scouting eye to another team. I would certainly hate for it to be in the NFC, but the NFC is the only place, again, at the time that I'm recording this, that has GM positions open. So he's going to probably be in the NFC if he does end up heading anywhere else to be a general manager. Now, he didn't have the most successful general manager uh, you know, time when he, when he did it last. However, now that he has had all of this time working with a guy like Mickey Loomis, working with you know all of the cap-saving strategies that the Saints go against, it makes him a way more appealing prospect now than he was coming out of his first GM responsibilities and then back into this college scouting position that he's been serving with the New Orleans Saints. And he served extremely well. A big replacement name that has continuously come up around the New Orleans Saints is Ryan Pace, who was formerly with the um, formerly with the Chicago Bears. So that's actually who the Chicago Bears moved on from at GM, and they could potentially replace him with Jeff Ireland, and Jeff Ireland could then be replaced by Ryan Pace as a college scout. I do think that him leading that college scouting team has looked good in Chicago as of late. Guys like Darnell Mooney and Jalen Johnson and, of course, Justin Fields and other players that they've ended up bringing in via the draft here as of late have been outstanding. And the Saints have a very, very good uh, scouting team below those guys that lead that college, college scouting department. But remember, he left for a job. The Saints didn't move on for him. He left for a job to Chicago, just like Jeff Ireland could potentially do. So maybe you know, Ryan Pace is in that situation to where being a GM doesn't really work great for him. 
but focusing on college scouting certainly does. So those are the potential places and landing spots for guys like Jeff Ireland and Dennis Allen. Ideally, they're back next season. We'll continue to talk about replacements for them if they do end up going elsewhere, and I'll continue to keep you up to date if they end up interviewing anywhere and who are the front runners for them if there are, you know, if that does end up continuing to develop as we continue on. Remember, we're going to be five days a week here at Locked on Saints, giving you all the latest news around your New Orleans Saints. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to break down a little bit more with the New Orleans Saints and looking at what they are doing in terms of futures contracts. And what it potentially tells you about the quarterback position, some some fun stuff going on around the New Orleans Saints that we'll continue to cover here throughout the week. So we've got that and much more coming up for you as we continue on throughout the week. So thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, don't forget to go and check out Locked On Bets. Win yourselves some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Appreciate you so much, as always, for making us a part of your day. Don't forget, for everything you need in between these episodes around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.